0: All right, this morning, we are going to get into the Word of God. So let's get into this 1 John chapter 5. Ooh. Aren't you thankful for the Word? <laughs> 1 John 5, I knew you were going there. Good. You know, what I find is that, you know, one of the good things that we hear is, you know, from you see from the Word of God that Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So a lot of times, if we're not seeing increase in our life, either, you know, this is kind of common for in the Christian world, either... You didn't plant or you refused the planting of the word. You heard something new from the word of God. You refused that or you welcomed it. And then the next part is you didn't water it. And what, what watering is, it really comes by repetition. Hearing and hearing and hearing. Because we know faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. He didn't just say you heard it once. You have to regularly hear it. And what's that doing? It's watering. So a lot of times, don't refuse the watering. Don't, don't just go, I, I've already heard that before. No, no, no. Welcome the watering because the watering comes and what happens? God brings the increase. So no matter where we are, if we're in the planting seed, this is something new to you. Welcome it. Open up your heart and say, hey, gay, God, show me from your word, right? Don't just take my word for it. We got to look to the word of God. If the word of God says it, I believe it. So as planting, okay, Lord, bring it in. Now I'm going to water that thing and God brings the increase. So really in that context, who, who, who's the most important, the planter or the waterer? Neither God, God gives the increase. <laughs> so that's who we keep our eyes on this morning. So in 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, it says this, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah is God's spiritual child and has been fathered by God himself. And everyone who loves Father God loves his children as well. This is how we can be sure that we love the children of God by having a passionate love for God and by obedience, by having obedience to his commands. And true love for God means this. I love God. I can just say it all day. I love God. I love God. I love God. Does that prove we love God? No. No. True love for God means this, that I obey his commands. Jesus said this to his disciples. You are my friends if you do what I tell you to do. So there's always, there's some connection to it. It's not just, oh, I love God and that's enough. No. If I love God, I'm going to demonstrate it by my lifestyle, by obeying his commands. We okay? Yeah. All right. And his commands are so wonderful because every time there's a command from God, there's also the grace to carry it out. So he's not telling you to love your brother and sister and go, man, there's some really hard people to love. I'll tell you that. But listen, he gives you the grace to do it. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Okay. And his commands don't weigh us down as heavy burdens. Now, verse four, he says, you see every child of God, I want you to say that with me, every child of God overcomes the world. This is who we are. What are you? I am a world overcomer. That's not just a nice Christian thing that you hit like on Facebook. This is a legitimate reality. If you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, God made you a world overcomer. And then he goes on to say, for our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. Verse 5 again, he reiterates it. He says, so who are the world conquerors defeating its powers? Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So how many of you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Oh, look at that. So guess what we got in the room this morning? A bunch of world conqueror, defeater, kicker butters. That's who you are. And is it anything that you did? No, it's what you believed in. What do you believe in? We believe in Jesus is the Son of God. So, and again, the reason we're talking about all this is because we've been talking, again, for, for quite some time. And every time I've just, Lord, are we ready to move on? No. Okay, so we stay put. We've been talking about understanding how to operate from this place of victory. God paid too high of a price for you to get your butt kicked by the world. So what God has been really teaching us and really growing us up in is how to live this overcoming lifestyle that he's called us to live in. And again, the purpose in all this is really that you and I start living it and seeing it in our everyday life. Now, just because, or believing that Jesus is the Son of God, He makes you a world conqueror. Now, if this would be enough, that believing in Jesus as the Son of God made you a world conqueror, I mean, already made you, but now you're starting to see it in your everyday life, every Christian would be flying high 24-7, 365. But then he goes on to, you know, change it, adds a few more details to the description because that's who you are. Believing that Jesus is the son of God gave you a seat at this victorious table that we've been talking about. So the moment you said, Jesus is Lord, I believe what he did in his sacrifice. God gave you a seat and boom, sat you at the table. Now when you're at this table, we've got to learn how to function from this place and that comes a whole lot of mind renewing that has to take place because you've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and you've been placed in the kingdom of God's dear son. There's a brand new seat. It's a victorious seat, but you can't operate and live from this victorious seat with an old loser mindset, religious mindset. It does not work. So God now is taking the time to really change the way we think so it lines up with his word so we start to see God's results because we start to think like him okay now let's look at this and so verse 4 he goes on to say what is the the how to enforce the victory jesus said or sorry first john 5 4 says this that faith is the conquering tool that brings the world to its knees so here you are sitting at this table, and now what did Jesus do? He distributed his faith to every one of his children. You have a measure of the God kind of faith. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says that, reveals that to us, that you've been dealt a measure of the God kind of faith. So what are we doing is we're growing up in it. We are developing it. We're advancing it. We're, okay, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Okay, God, it comes. It comes. Faith always comes. So I'm taking the time to grow in it. That's the deciding factor. That's what separates you from the rest of the Christian world is you know how to operate and live by faith. Because faith isn't just a nice little topic we talk about. Faith isn't a denomination. Faith isn't just a you know conference you go to once in a while or what is your faith. No, faith is the way we, the righteous, are supposed to live. You see that four times in Scripture. It says the just shall live by faith. Second Corinthians 5.7 says that the, we walk by faith, and not by sight. So for you and I, there's a totally different way of living that we've got to learn how to live so we can function at this table properly. Not learning how to function at this table is why Christians are frustrated. It's because, hey, God speaks victory. God knows victory. We sing it all the time. I'm going to see a victory. Great, see it. (laughs) Got to see it from his word. Understand what is he saying because God does not know how to lose. God doesn't speak loser. And loser would just be whining, complaining. God, why is all this stuff happening? He doesn't speak that language. It's foreign to him. So for you and I, we've got to learn to sit at this table with him and start talking and thinking victorious. Amen. Hoorah. Amen. All right. Now look at this. Luke chapter 12. And again, we've been really talking about this. Luke twelve forty-eight. it says this. When someone has been given much, much will be required. And in return, when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. So what we are taking some time to talk about, we did this a couple weeks ago, but I I believe the Lord, I want to keep just kind of going a little bit further into this a little bit. But to whom much is given, much is required. Have you been given much? (laughs) Yeah. So then what's going to be required? Much. Right? And again, it's not works-based salvation. We're not talking about that. But you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We found out what he did for us through the substitutionary work of Jesus on that cross and raised him from the dead. God did so much for us. And you know, the Passion Bible says it like this, that those who have received a greater revelation from their master are required greater obedience. So what we're going to be taking some time to look at here is what's required. If, this is, if I've been given the seat at this victorious table, what's required of me so I can operate, so I can grow up and really start functioning as a child of God in these last days? You know, Romans chapter 8 even talks about that. All the creation, they are longing, looking for the manifestation of the sons of God. And sons means both male and female sons. It's look, That's what the world's looking for. And so guess what? Who that is? That's us. That's you and me. So what we're doing is we're learning to grow up to look just like him. Now, let's talk about here for a moment. So what has been given to us as a born again child of God? If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's look at this real quickly again. A brand new identity. The moment you accepted Jesus, you became completely new on the inside. And I mean, we're going to be studying Second Corinthians 5.17 for eons of time yet to come. He says this, now if anyone is enfolded in Christ, anybody enfolded in Christ this morning? That just means you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He took you out of the nation and he put you into his own kingdom and said, now you're mine. He said, he has become an entirely new person. Say it, I'm new. I'm new. Woo! That's good news. If you didn't like the old self, well, thank God the old self is gone. The new has come. All that was related to the old order has vanished. And he says, behold, or look, everything has become new. So what is God doing again to the world? Our message is you got to be born again. You have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We have to take care of that nature issue. The sin issue has to be dealt with. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that old man is killed and crucified as it was with Christ when he went to the cross. And he rose again from the dead. A new nature now has come. Now, that's all of us. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's you. Now, for you and I, we have to take the time to renew our mind to this new and fresh way of living. God has to reintroduce you to your new self. And the only way he does that is through his word. So if we're not spending time in the word of God, which James calls it a mirror of our spiritual being, we're going to be stuck constantly going back to the old nature old patterns of thinking, same ways of living, until we spend some time in the presence of God with the Word of God and the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. All of a sudden, when you used to be smoking that marijuana in your old self, man, having a good time, and all of a sudden you get born again, and you're now a child of God. You start smoking that, you go, hey, that's not for you anymore. You got somebody else on the inside of you going, hey, we don't do that anymore. And now you feel this weightiness, this conviction, this Oh, what's going on? What is that? He's trying to tell you, that's the old man. That guy's dead. The fresh and new has come. Let me show you, introduce you to how free you really are. It's amazing. And that's what he did. And that's what the spirit of God is here to do. So I want to give you a couple things just to show you this new nature. First Corinthians 6, 17 says this, that anyone, the person who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Me and Jesus, you and Jesus look exactly alike in the spirit. 1 John 4, 17, the latter part of 1 John four seventeen. it says, As he is, so are we. Where? In this world. When we get to heaven? No, no. Here. As he is. Who's he? Jesus. As Jesus is, so am I. In Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. Now, what do we need? That has to dawn on your thinking, because as far as we know, I'm just Joel housing walking around Red Deer, Alberta, Canada, and not able to do a whole lot. I'm just human, you know. Yeah, you may be a human, but guess who lives on the inside of you? You got, as he is, so am I. So that's your confession. As he is, so am I. What is he in heaven? Oh, there's a lot there. And we don't have time to unpack all that because we'll be here till next week, Sunday. <laughs> and then we'll be another week. So now, this is what he's done. This is part of my identity. Another thing that he's given us because of this, uh, this resurrection of Jesus is now I become a partner of his in his endless triumph. Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, God always makes his grace visible, where? In Christ. In Christ. Now look at this. He included us as partners of his endless triumph triumph. So what are you? I'm a partner of his in his endless triumph. Can you say that with me? I am a partner of his in his endless triumph. That's who I am. That's who you are. Well, I'm not seeing that. That's that's okay. We're going to learn about that. We're going to be talking about that because this is what God has called you to. Now he says, now through our yielded lives, he spreads the fragrance... (sighs) Of God everywhere you go. Verse 15, he says, we have become, now look at this, you have become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of the anointed one to God. So every time God takes a whiff of you, guess what he smells? Victory. Listen, the father comes over our service. What does he do? Ah, victory. No more Maxwell House. Folgers, you know, Rogers in your, Folgers in your cup and all that coffee stuff, you know. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your uh, cup. Uh. You know what God's song is? The best part of waking up is smelling victory in my kids. (sighs) Ah, Look at that. He loves the smell of you. Now we have to be aware of that. (laughs) We're going to be talking about it, don't worry. But then he says, now we are a perfume of life to those being saved. And you are the odor of, yes, listen, the same smell. So it's not like we put on different cologne when we walk somewhere else. It's the same victorious smell to the believers, those that are in this house. We smell of life, of those being saved, of eternal life. But when you walk out into the world, you are an odor of death to those that are perishing. That's why they hate you. Because you smell like life. They don't smell that way. So, what's our job? We gotta bring him in. Come, come get re-clean. Get the new scent. Yeah, yeah. The old stuff stinks. Verse 16: he says, The unbelievers they smell a deadly stench that leads to death, but believers smell the life-giving aroma that leads to abundant life. Just take a whiff this morning. Ah, <sighs> just even being in the presence of Jesus, with you and I together worshiping. Ah, doesn't that feel good? Then he says, verse 17. For unlike so many, we are not peddlers. Now he's talking about those that go out to minister the word of God. We are, Unlike so many, we are not peddlers of God's word who water down God's message. We are those sent from God with pure motives who speak in the sight of God from our union with Christ. Now that's powerful. When we speak, where do we speak from? Our union with Christ. This is the place we talk from this is the place that we communicate to others from, is from my union with Christ. Not from my opinions, not from what I think is right or what I think they're doing is wrong. I speak from my union with Christ. When you start speaking from that way, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you read that entire verse, talks about you and I being ambassadors. Now the way you communicate is way different. Rather than condemning the sin, you're now revealing the love of God. Can you see that? Because I'm standing in my union with him. Other translations, New Living, it says, we don't preach for personal profit. We preach the word in sincerity with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. This one keeps me real sober. He's watching everything that's going on, everything that's being said. Okay, then we're going to make sure we talk about the Bible. (laughs) Okay. Now, what else have I been given? As I'm a partner of his endless triumph, let me give you a few more verses. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, it says, but thanks be to God. You can do that. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory, making us conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. And they don't have verse 58 on there, but it says right after that, so now because you've been given victory, beloved ones, stand firm, be stable and enduring, live your lives with an unshakable confidence. That's how I live. Okay, sir, yes, sir. Romans 5.17 says this, for because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with Himself, they will reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This is the call. This is the identity. This is the invitation to sit at this table. So sit and let's learn how to operate this way because this is who you are. Now again, let me just go over this for time's sake, but now because of this new identity and this place seated here, God did all of the work. All you and I have to take the time to do is spend time in his presence for the revelation of what he did dawns on us and you start to go, whoa, that's what it is. It's not you working to attain to this. You cannot get more righteous than you are right now. There's not degrees of righteousness. You're not 25% righteous because you sang this morning. You are 100% righteous because the sacrifice of Jesus made you and I that way. My righteousness will never change. Your righteousness will never change. It is consistent. It is steady. It is always because Jesus' work on the cross is finished. So that's who I am. I am righteous before Almighty God. Therefore, I reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. So raining isn't just once in a while. You know, I've been really good lately, God. So I can rain a little bit today. No, no, raining is automatic because that's who you are. Now, what are we doing? We're awakening now to righteousness and what He did through 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 Jesus Christ. Now sit at this table, and now we got to learn how to function there. How do righteous people function? Because again, God gave us all of this work. He gave us all of this authority, he gave us all of this power, but I can't just live any old way that I want to live and expect the power to flow through me. It doesn't work that way. It'll short-circuit the power. It'll cut right off. It's the same way that we got all this electricity going on, but sometimes our breakers snap off. What does that mean? The power surge. Nothing else is working. Well, there's some things that cut off the power of God in and you and in my life. If we're not operating and don't know how to function from this table, okay? All right. Now, because again, of this what Jesus has given us. I have been given authority over Satan and everything he has. If you're taking notes, Matthew 16, verse 19, it says this, that Jesus, I will give you the keys of the kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. Keys is a symbol of authority. Jesus said, I got the keys and now I give it back to you. Here's the authority on this earth. Go and have fun kicking the devil's butt. The church has been way too much on the defense. God's called you to be on the offense. So what do we do? I got to learn to take my seat. Another verse, Luke ten nineteen. I love this one. It says, now you understand that I have imparted to you my authority to trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. And absolutely nothing will harm you as you walk in this authority. Oh, man, every time I read that, I just like, yeah. So if this is true, do we believe this is true? To whom much is given, now there is much that is required. Right again, now, much is required in the sense of, I got a lot of work to do. No, you and I have to just realize and come into line with the ways of God. When he says much is required, that's not talking about you got to work hard now to even just sit at this table. No, you've been given that place. You're just now aligning your thinking, aligning your ways with his ways. That's now what's required of you and I, is to line up with him. Make sense? Okay. Now, what we've been talking about, that I intentionally work with the Spirit of God to grow up. Look at your neighbor, say, grow up. Some of you didn't feel comfortable doing that. Look at the person behind you there. You can tell them to grow up. Grow up. <laughs> oh, that got carried away. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Before we lose church, is more or less. Now, actually, more importantly, point to yourself and say, self? Grow up. Yay. Okay. now let's have church. Okay. We're growing up. Why grow up? One thing here is to, again, to experience the full measure of what Jesus paid for through his sacrifice. And now also living out fully this victorious lifestyle that Jesus gave me. It requires growing up. Again, Gal- uh, Galatians chapter 4 verse 1, it says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance, think about that. A father dies, this is a whack load of stuff. Here's an inheritance for his young children. Those children are not much better off than slaves until when? Until they grow up. Even though they actually own everything. Now, I believe one of the saddest things, you know, for a believer to now inherit all of what Jesus purchased for us never experience any of it, die and go to heaven, and just go like, Lord, what's the deal? And the Lord says, man, it all belonged to you. But sometimes, what's the problem? Our own childishness leaves you and I in this state of not experiencing everything Jesus came and purchased for us. Why? Because I'm stuck in my ways. It's got to be done my way. I don't like that way. I don't want to submit and adjust to that way can I just encourage you, submit. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah. So many times, and God's not going to make you submit. You have to willfully submit to him. And then, okay, Lord, I'll adopt your way of doing things. Yeah. <laughs> Hooray, okay. <laughs> Next, why grow up? To be a vessel that the Father can use in advancing and establishing his kingdom on this earth. That, for me, is one of the Biggest reasons why I want to grow up. I want, Lord, here's my life. Do something with it. There's nothing better than being used by God in these days to advance his kingdom, to reach a soul for God. Are you kidding me? Is there anything better? You can't take anything with you gone way to heaven, but you can take people. So what do we want? Lord, I, here's my life. What, what can I do? I don't want to be stuck in my old ways that I'm not helping anybody out here experience who you really are. You're too good to not experience. So look at this, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20. He says, In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are used for everyday use. So he says, If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. I want God to be able to look at me and go, oh, there's some I can use that. Oh, man, yeah, let, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. There's a, there's a vessel here at this table that can function this way, that understands my ways. Really, the degree of authority that we walk in is totally dependent on to the degree that we are submitted to his ways, but also to his commission. The commission is still to go out and preach the, word, the, the gospel to every creature, but you and if listen, sometimes you go, Oh, this generation, they're just a bunch of losers, a bunch of this, blah, blah blah blah. You cannot reach a culture or a generation that you condemn. Jesus will never look at this generation and say, What a bunch of losers. I hope they all go to hell. He would never say that. Yet, church folk, not you, just other churches out there, they talk about those types of things and they say that, but guess what? To, I'm not submitted to the commission. I'm now submitted to my own ways and my own ways of thinking. And so, what does the Lord look? Ah, I can't use this vessel. I want to, I want to, but I can't because it's not ready for every good work I've called it to do. He still loves you. His love never changes. He still loves you, but you're not ready. So on the inside, grow up. Grow up. That feels really good. Grow up. Anybody ever say that to their kids? Anybody say that to their wife? No. Don't. Anybody ever say that to their husband? Yeah, a few times. Yeah. Why is it only one way? I don't understand that. Now, it's good to grow up. Anybody enjoy Like Just from the natural perspective, aren't you thankful that you grew up? Anybody remember being a baby and your parents sitting you down in that high chair, opening up a can of peas, carrots, mashed together in a jar and go... And then you spit it all out oh no honey we gotta eat your veggies i like feeding myself anybody else enjoy that and the rest of you you'd like to be spoon fed I, I like to eat what i want to eat kale salad and all i'll eat it all i want i'll want to eat it pizza at least five times a week i want to choose that I don't know if we understand, like, aren't you thankful you're not stuck? I mean, sometimes you see those babies. I mean, I got a little two-year-old still, and he, he eats, he's a pretty good horker. But sometimes you see these little babies, and they're just strapped into these seats, and you're going to eat whatever I put in your mouth. Like, aren't you thankful that's not you? Yeah. Naturally speaking, well, the same way in the spirit. You and I, we want to grow up because there are so many advantages to it. There's so many good things that you and I, when we grow up and make the choice to grow up, that we get experience in the kingdom of God that you wouldn't otherwise because you're too young. Okay. Now, before I go into this a little further, I want to just make mention, what's the standard to growing up? Do I look at other people? Do I look at other men and women of God? Are they the standard? No. Don't look at them as the standard. Don't set your sights that low. They can be wonderful and powerful. The image and the goal is always to look like him. Always to look like him. Look at a couple of these verses. Matthew 10, verse 24. Jesus said this, Students are not greater than their teacher, and slaves are not greater than their master. Verse 25, he says, Students, though, are to be like their teacher. Who's talking? Jesus. And Jesus, in this illustration, who is he? He's the teacher. Who and I, what are we? We're the student. And the students, what is our goal? Our goal is to be like the teacher. This is really good news. That you and I, we're not limited to what we can just see. Oh, I I so appreciate that man and woman of God. Yeah, there's some powerful people that I love and I have tremendous respect for. But I'm not aiming to live my life like them. And neither should you. Why? That's setting the standard way too low. Instead, get your eyes up a little bit higher because there's him. Anything good that you see in other people that you just love and admire, guess where they got it from? They got it from him. Because everything good came from him. He is all good. So how much more if we set our sights to him, man, we start because whatever we behold, we start to look like. I want to start getting my eyes fixed on him. Romans eight, another verse here, Romans eight, twenty nine and thirty, it says, For he knew, God knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. Did you just see that? What did he destined you to be? To be like his son, Jesus. That's the goal. <laughs> so we're not competing against each other. What are we going after? We're going after him. And then he says, this means that the son is the oldest, Jesus is the oldest among a vast families of brothers and sisters who have become or who will become just like him. Yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? This is awesome. This is jump and kick a chair, awesome. <laughs> Any takers. Okay, moving on. Verse 30. He says, having determined our destiny, he said ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect. Righteousness, that right there is the foundation for it all. His righteousness to everyone he called, and those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co glorified with his son. Wow, thank you, Lord. Now, again, so the standard is Jesus. Everybody ever, or you have kids, or maybe you've seen that where you go like your kids want to get measured around a door frame, right? And so you kind of how tall am I? And they want to see, where was I? Oh, you're way down here. Okay, well, I was there last year, and we just continue moving up. Well, for you and I, spiritually speaking, you may be where you are today. Next year, what I want to be looking like? And the, again, I'm not competing with any of y'all. I'm, com- I'm going after him. This is where, this is where he's at. Okay, help me, Lord, help me get to that spot. This is the standard that I'm going after. And you can measure that by taking evaluation of yourself. One of the things the Lord said to me even just yesterday, actually, when I was prepping for this, no condemnation but a healthy and a righteous evaluation is what you need. No condemnation. Because if you look and go, "Oh, oh, man, I'm only here. Don't do that. That's great. Go, thank God I'm here. You used to be here. And here you are. Awesome. Well, let's just continue to grow. And how do we grow? By allowing the Spirit of God on the inside just to check up on some things. Lord, is there, is there anything that's blocking intimacy between you and I? Is there anything in my life that, hey, doesn't look like you that needs to be changed? And allow him in and just go, okay, Lord, I'm going to make those adjustments. Hoorah. And what's the good news is, hey, sometimes it doesn't always feel that good. It hurts good. But then all of a sudden, you go to the next level. And then you're at the next level. And before, you know what? You are operating just like he would operate in the situation. And you go, man, I used to curse that person out. But now... The love of God is flowing through me. I didn't, I didn't lip them off. Celebrate that. You get cut off on the highway. I used to finger people all the time. Now you don't. Well done. Well done. What's happening? The image of Christ is being formed on the inside of you. Your mind is being transformed to think like Him. Rather than cursing everything all the time, now you're blessing. They cut you off. You go, Lord, bless those four tires. Bless the guy that's driving it. Bless his radio station. Bless him, bless him, bless him. It's a change. All right. You have to celebrate those little victories. So second Corinthians 13:5 it says test yourselves to make sure that you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out and if you fail the test, do something about it. Right? No condemnation, just go, "Hmm. That that is not right." Anybody ever do that parenting? You're telling your kids to stop yelling, but you're yelling at them to stop the yelling? I've only heard stories. I don't know. (laughs) Anybody ever do that? Okay, I just want to. Okay, thank, thank you. You shut up in there. Why are you yelling? I don't know. And you just lose it. So what's happening? Lord, that wasn't right. Okay, let me show you how to parent this, Joel. Okay, we'll just get right back on track. All right that's the way to do it. Guys, I'm really sorry. I messed up on that. The way that I talked to you, the way that I raised my voice, that was not godlike, and I I repent for that, so I'm sorry about that. This is what I should have done, and now correct it. Well done. And now when the next opportunity arises, because children really is a personal growth (laughs) opportunity to develop and to grow, and there's lots of checkups that go on the inside, and go, huh, thank you so much for not saying it right. Thanks for disobeying me. I love the opportunity I have right at this moment to show you the love of God. And it's a growth. That's what Jordan Willie told me. So I'm just telling you what he told me. Okay. <laughs> now. So 1 Corinthians 13. Let's turn here for a moment. Verse 11. But it says, when I was a child. So notice, when I was a child, what do I do? I spoke about childish matters. Why? Because I saw things like a child and I reasoned like a child. Now notice this, but the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. So it's not all of a sudden, you know, this day, but the day came, meaning, oh, in, you know, 2023 of February 27th of 2023, I'm going to mature then. That's not talking about there's a specific day. It's actually when you and I make the concrete decision to put away childish things. That's when you start to grow spiritually speaking. Because again, in the natural, how do we grow? Over time. How do we grow mentally? Through learning. How do we grow spiritually? It doesn't take time. You can be 60 years old and still be the biggest baby. It makes no difference. Yet you can be 20 years old and advance in the kingdom of God. There's no time in the spirit. So how do I grow up spiritually? Through obedience. That's how I grow up. Through now I sit at this table and thank God this is a table. This is a safe place where I can learn. It's a place where I can develop and bring. Lord, I I don't understand this. This doesn't make any sense to me. I I don't see why tithing is actually a thing. And that's a big one. For a lot of people, because that right there is the ABCs of Christian. And if we can't get past the tithing aspect, nothing else there's nothing else. There's no other grades. We're stuck at the money. Money is huge with God because it's not like he needs your money or wants your money. He wants your trust. That's what he's interested in. Lord, I I don't believe in. That's so Old Testament. Fine. Believe that and stay in pampers. That's totally up to you. And God's not going to force you. He's not going to twist your arm and say, give. Fine. Fine. He's not going to do that what's he going to do? He's going to show you through his word. He's going to correct you, and he's going to bring you to it. And when you and I finally pass the money test, <gasps> now we go to another level. That's a whole nother message, but I just thought I'd throw it in there for fun. It's true. You can't outgive God. God. Come on now. Now at this table, this is a safe place. Jesus said, come and learn of me, understand my ways, understand how I do things. Right? Learn from me. God is very gentle. He's a perfect teacher. And here's the thing. He is willing to relate to you at your own pace. So for us slower learners, guess what he is? He is willing and gentle to raise you up in his word, to show you his ways, but you have to give him something to work with. I come to this table and there's times where I'm sitting in my chair and I would actually just bring some questions to the Lord. Lord, I don't understand this. And I would just place it before him and through time and just spending time in his word, it would come enlightened. Okay, that's, that's why you do that. That's why you think that way. Okay, So Lord, now help me make the adjustment to put my ways of thinking, my reasoning, my childish ways. I put those aside and I'm going to now embrace your way of doing things. That's a victory. That's awesome. And what happens? You've just passed the test. Another notch on the belt. And so now when that test comes again, you go, I've already passed that test. And you pass it with flying colors. Now, the greatest thing about passing a test is what's next? You get the next test. So congratulations, you graduated from grade one. Guess what? Grade two is right around the corner. So as again, like we mentioned a couple weeks ago, we kind of grow from, you know, size one in our diapers. We go to size two. We go to size three. We go to size four where I can start, you know, cinching it up myself. Size five, they're pull-ups. Okay, I got my size 5, size 6, size 7. How high Jordan do they go? 7, 8, 9, 10, and hopefully we're potty trained by 11. I did my best. I was just such a deep sleeper. And my kids love me when I tell this story like, "Okay, Papa, did you ever sleepwalk?" Oh. Oh, I sleptwalk. And here's a wonderful story. There's one time my mom did you have some company over? I don't know what it was. And I walked down the stairs, and then there was our living room was here. So I walked down the stairs. There was a plant right in that corner. I peed in the plant. No recollection. And so my mom and all the guests were. <gasps> I just thought you needed some entertainment. It was a little a little dry down there. I had no idea but thank God we get out of those pull-ups and then we actually put on some big boy pants, big girl pants on. And then we continue to grow from there. That's what God, he craves and designed and desires you and I to grow up. Why? Because we're supposed to look like him. So now I have to be willing to put it away. Again, I just brought my little bucket of toys here again just to use as illustration. So here's here's my bucket of toys. And these toys illustrate again my ideas, they represent thoughts, opinions, reasoning, the ways I speak as a child. The question is, is what do I do? Am I willing to put these toys away? My thoughts, my reasoning, my ways of acting, am I willing to put them away and take on a new thought from the Word of God to start thinking like a big boy? Because if I'm unwilling to clean this up, I will be stuck in my state or my level one, level two, whatever level we're at. We are stuck there until I make the decision to clean it up. I can't get anybody else can come and clean this up for me. Parents may think, oh, just I'll clean it up for you. No, 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 you can't. Unless I make the decision to grow up, take these toys and start putting them away myself. Okay, car, time to go. And what am I doing? I'm embracing a new thought. What happens? I'm growing up. I, Paul said, I am mature, I put aside or I put away childish matters. Right. If I'm unwilling to put it away, I'm stuck. And that's where maybe a lot of believers are at. That's where a lot of Christians are at. Unwilling to deal with childish ways. So again, we have to go to the word of God to define what is childish. We can't just assume, oh, that's childish. No, no, no. Let the word speak for itself. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Again, I want to turn here for a second because there's a part in here that I didn't get to a couple weeks ago. He says this in verse one, "Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, this is the church in Corinth." He said, "I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. You, for you are still dominated by the mind set. Oh, sorry, guy. The mindset of the flesh, and because you are mature, immature infants in Christ. What did he say? I had to nurse you and feed you with milk." First two. Not with the solid food of more advanced teachings. Why? Because you weren't ready for it. So here's all all this revelation knowledge wanting to come. And here he's ready to come. And all of a sudden I stand up and go, hold on a sec. (laughs) I love my ideas. I love my ways. I love the way I think about this. (laughs) And meanwhile, revelation knowledge is sitting there with advanced teachings, but he said, You're not ready for it. Why? Because I'm holding on to my ideas. I'm holding on to my principles. This is what my family taught me. This is what they this is how I've always been for the last 20 years. You can't change me. Okay, you're you're not gonna experience advanced teachings. That's what he's saying. Fight you can stay. God loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you. You're going to heaven. But I'm talking about on this earth, operating from this table and being able to release the authority God has given me. Or operating from this table and seeing all that God has given to me because of, as I'm growing up, I now claim some of those things and take them by faith and start to see the miraculous. Rather than getting mad at the people that got stuff, go, how did you do that? Teach show me, what did you do? All of these powerful men and women of God, they had to grow up. Nobody starts as a hundred-year-old, spiritually speaking. Anybody that gets born again, we all came into the kingdom the same way. We all came in as babies. But here's the thing. Some of us had made the choices to grow up, and we still have to grow up. We don't finally just, oh, I'm, I'm there. I made it. We're always growing up. But you have to make the decision to. So Paul is saying, because you weren't ready for it, in fact, you're still not ready to be fed solid food. So here you go. Here's your mashed peas. It's so good for you. It's so good for you. Here you go. Verse 3. So he kind of goes in more details. For you are living your lives, how? Dominated. How? By the mindset of the flesh, which is the old nature. There's been no transformation of thought from old to now sitting at this table as the victorious one in Christ Jesus. There's been no switch. So he says, ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? If there is, that just shows, okay, here's jealousy. Are you going to put it away or am I going to hang on to it? He's just asking the question. Next, he says, Do you compare yourself with others? Why? Because to do so is childish. Thirdly, he says, Do you quarrel, fight like children and end up taking sides? If so, we're stuck. Then he says, if so, this proves that you are living. Now, this is the part I want to get to today. We did this a couple weeks ago, the first three. If this this proves that you are living your lives centered on who? I'm centered my life on me. So what is this? This typically would you say it's selfishness. All of this, but I don't want to lose like this. Is my stuff. These are my toys. I have, I have kids right now. This is what we do. This is mine. I played with it first. This is my pig. I had it. I love the color pink. It belongs to me. We look at it and go, they're just a kid. And they're just a kid. But if what it gets wrong is we start talking spiritually. Why are they always acting like that? Man, why do they always get the good things coming their way? Why, they're so much better than I'm. Or I'm way better than that person. Oh, did you hear what so-and-so said? Oh, my goodness. That is just crazy. You know what it looks like? Stop, that's my purple block. It's the same thing, spiritually speaking. Right? So he said, if this, if so, all these things, it proves that you are living your life centered on yourselves. You are dominated by the mindsets of the flesh and behaving like look at this, behaving like unbelievers. Boom, on the screen. <laughs> How are they behaving? How is this Corinthian church behaving? This is a born-again church, correct? They had some issues. They had some problems. And what's he telling them? You are acting like unbelievers. Well, Why? Because you're dominated by the mindset of the flesh. How you were before you met Jesus Christ. You carry that into your Christian walk and you're frustrated. You're not, not seeing any results happening. There's no fruit coming out of you in my life. What's going on? I'm just stuck. I'm stagnant. What's going on? You have to grow up well, I'm going to just pray through this. You can't. Well, if I just worship a little bit longer, you can't. You have to finally take a seat in your chair and say, Lord, where am I not grown up? Where am I stuck in some area? And he may just say, you're comparing yourself. You're jealous. You fight and you enjoy fighting. Stop it. Bible tells in 2 Timothy that a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. That's not, that's not in us. That should not be there. A church fighting within itself? Crazy. But yet it happens. Why? Because they're behaving like unbelievers. Therefore, they're still children. Well, oh, no, I just. that's just the way it is. No, you may be right, but you are so wrong in how you're handling it. So what does that leave you? Right, but in pampers. Stuck. Let me read it to you from the Message Bible for a sec. 1 Corinthians 3. Do I have that? Oh, I do. He says, again, this is Paul speaking, he says, For right now, friends, I'm completely frustrated. This is Paul speaking. I'm completely frustrated by your unspiritual dealings with each other and with God. You're acting like infants in relation to Christ, capable of nothing much more than nursing at the breast. Isn't he just telling it straight up? (laughs) Well then, I'll nurse you since you don't seem capable of anything more. As long as you grab for what makes you feel good, or makes you look important? Are you really much different than a babe at the breast? Content, now notice this, content only when everything's going your way. Okay, I'm good now because things are going, I'm good now, everything's okay. That's only when you're okay? What does he call you? He's just saying, come back to the breast. That's, we're just going to have to stay there. We're going to just keep going there. So he says, when one of you says, I'm on Paul's side, other says, I'm on Paul's. Aren't you being totally childish? So now for you and I, again, what, is, what, is, what does the Word of God tell us is childish? Selfishness. I'm not selfish. Okay, great. Let's just look at it a little bit more. Selfishness is often ex- expressed by building up oneself while tearing somebody else down. Selfishness is one of the works of the flesh, according to Galatians 5.20. Selfishness leads to disorder to chaos, and to every evil practice. You know, if you look at James 3.16, if you open that up a little bit and you take a good look at this, it says where there is envying and strife, other translation, the Passion Bible says, where there is um, selfishness hidden within you and you uncover it, you're going to find that's where all the mess is, that's where all the chaos is, and that's where you're finding the devil is able to get in. So how dangerous it is for us. I mean, I, I know this. There's, a, there's a, a mini move of God going on around here. And what we want to guard against is selfishness. Why? Because the moment, if I'm only happy when everything's going my way, if I'm only good then, the problem is, is that when something go, doesn't go your way, you freak out. That's my purple block. Give me the green one back. And the Bible tells us is that when you uncover it, it says Satan is right in the middle of that, and he's bringing chaos. Yes, for a church, but think about it in your marriage. What is the biggest problems in marriage? Selfishness. This is what it goes back to. Why are you spending this money? Why are you watching pornography? Why are you doing this? Why are you do? It's all selfish. It's all self focused. So if you and I, we got to have to talk about addressing that selfishness and just get it out so that the enemy has no place. And what had just happened? We pulled up another level. Level three. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. We continue on. Selfishness caused the children of Israel to willfully put God to the test by demanding the food that they craved. Psalm 78, verse 18. And God wanted to kill them. Y'all remember that? God was so ticked off with the people. Why? What was the root of all of it? Selfishness. And he goes on to selfishness caused the rich young ruler to turn his back on Jesus. Matthew chapter 19. Selfishness ruins friendships. Proverbs 18 verse 1. When also it talks about in Proverbs, I believe, verse 19, it talks about that where there's quarreling and where there's actually fights, not only is there pride, but there's selfishness. Behind every fight, what is there? Selfishness. Did you know that it's possible to never have another fight again? (gasps) How? Well, first, hey, hey, selfishness. Man, you feel good sometimes. It really is nice to be selfish and just think, I need some me time once in a while. It's just really important. Or, okay, I see you. Now it's time to actually put it away so I can start growing up. This is how it's done. Lord, it doesn't come this way. Lord, just get rid of this. Get rid of selfishness. I don't want it anymore. God, just take selfishness away from me. Here. Here. And what happens? You can't pray this away. You have to look at it and say, okay, here it is. This is it. Lord, I'm willing to put this away. Help me. And now at this table, we have this discussion. Bam, I put it on the table. There it is. And he starts to reveal to me his ways. the antidote for selfishness. Here it is. And all of a sudden, he takes away the selfishness and he puts into me or reveals to me what he's already put on the inside of me. Now let's look at the antidote for what selfishness is. Let's put on the antidote for that. Are we good with that? Yes. Okay, I'll close with this. How do I put selfishness away in my life? And here's the thing too. Sometimes you're going to have to keep putting it away. You may be, okay, this is something I'm really just zeroing in on. I'm really focusing on getting rid of this. But there's times that you may have put it away. All of a sudden a situation comes and Okay, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it away. Oh, help me, Jesus. 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 Help me Jesus. Oh, help me, Jesus. And once in a while, yeah, you may go, you may pick it up and start playing with it again. That's okay. Recognize it and go, okay, no, Lord, I, I repent of that. I'm, I'm putting that back. As long as you keep putting it back and, you know, there's some time where you just finally kick it over and it's done with. It can get to that place. I know that's what I'm attaining to in my life, in my marriage, in my family, in my, my calling, in my relationship with you all in the church, I'm, I'm growing to that. That's, that's what, I haven't attained it yet, but I'm going that way. Put it away, put it away, put it away, put it away. Why? Because it's not about me, it's about him. Philippians chapter 2, let's look at this here. He says, look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the anointed one. You are filled with overflowing with his com- comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have felt his tender affection and mercy. Amen? So he said, I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. That's just impossible to do. It's not. Well, how do you do it? Hold on. Walk together with one harmonious purpose and you will fill my heart with abounded joy. Verse three, be free from pride-filled opinions for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Okay, so go back there, guys, for a sec. Go back to verse three. So this is the what or the how-to, he says, don't allow. What are we not allowing? Pride-filled opinions? Don't allow self-promotion to hide in my heart? Oh, I'm not trying to do that. Well, just I'm not saying you are. Just look, though. Just take a look. What's the motive? Why are you saying what you're saying? Why are you acting that way? Why are you doing that? Oh, I, am I looking to bless them? or am I, You know what? It's actually kind of me. Okay. You've uncovered it. Now change that. But in authentic humility, now here's the thing, anything we want to move forward in any relationship, in the advancement of the kingdom of God, it's going to require humility. In a move of God, guess what's it's going to require? Humility. Humility is a must in order to move forward in God at all. In humility, what am I going to do? I'm going to put, that doesn't mean you belittle yourself, that means you're making a, a a consecrated focus and decision. You know what? I'm going to think about you more important than me. Why not this? Like, well, okay. Well, you have the last donut. I'm, I just won't eat anything then. I'm not talking about being weird and uh, you have no rights anymore. I'm not talking about that. But you genuinely, from the heart, you know what you're? What you're feeling right now is more important than me right at this moment. So go ahead. I, I, I'm, I'm here. Listen, I'm listening. Uh, and then verse 4, he says, this is the part where it gets, it gets the, the clarity. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. <laughs> oh, man. Verse 5, and here's the, here's the key. Consider him. Consider Jesus. So how do I get rid of selfishness in my marriage? How do I get selfishness in any relationship? Oh, Lord, I just, this if I can get my eyes off of this cute little puppy right here, off of selfishness, and what do I do? Is I fix my eyes now on him. You know, doesn't Hebrews 12 talk to us about that? He said... Now, you know, this, because of, this great, crowd of lit, this great crowd of witnesses, let us lay aside all these unnecessary weights and let us run the race that is set before us. How do we run? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher and the developer of my faith. How do we run this race? Looking to him. How do I look to him? I look to his word. He is the word of God. I look to his word. I look to him. I look to him. So in any circumstance, when things start to heat up a little bit, Maybe there's a little bit of tension. There's an argument going on. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, my goodness. No, I'm not going that way because I do not want the devil getting access in. You can have, listen, you have all the authority over all the devil. But if there's selfishness hiding, it doesn't work. You can trample and try, devil, get out of here in Jesus' name. But if selfishness is still around, he's looking at you going, Yo, okay, buddy. I'm going to just hang around here a little bit. Why? Because there's an open door. So until that, we can trample all day long. Shut the door on selfishness. It doesn't work. How do I do that? I got to look to him. The example that was set before us, he then let this mindset. So what are we doing? I'm putting aside my reasoning. I'm putting aside my way. And I let his mindset now become my motivation. What was his mindset? What did he think? What was going on through his brain? Verse 6, he existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. What? You had it all. It's like you and I, we made a drawing this afternoon on stick people, a stick world, and the stick world fell. You and I, I have no consider to live in this this natural body. I'm going to become a stick person for that world and save all the stick people. That's what he did. He did. Verse 7, instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to, uh, to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. This right there, th- those three words can absolutely rock selfishness out of your life forever. He became human. And guess what? He's human forever not going back to the, the, the God state that he was before. I mean, he is God, but in the, the, the spiritual state that he was prior to, we don't know what he was before all this. We knew who he was with God, but he came and he became a human being. Now we have at the right hand of the father, a God man sitting forever in eternity, praying for you and I. This is what he did. Why? Because he did not see himself that it, to hold on to this equality to be the, the supreme prize. Instead, what did he do? He took it all off. And what did he do? He became a human so that he could be part of what we are. Let me get you back. Let me get you back. He did, that's who he is. When I see that, I can drop selfishness forever. Amen. Put that away. You did that for me. See you later, selfishness. You can just back off, move away. Why? Because my eyes fixed on him. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Verse 8. He says, He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. (laughs) You read John chapter 1. Read it this afternoon. I encourage you. It says that he actually came to his own and his own didn't recognize him. He came to the very earth he created and nobody knew who he was. (laughs) It's like the boss walking in somewhere and not having any idea who he was and what he's doing. Treated him like trash. That's what he did. So when I start all, all of a sudden start to see some selfishness going on, what do I do? I get my eyes up. Lord, Philippians 2.5 says that I need to have the same attitude. What attitude did you have? Man, you laid all that down. So let me encourage you. Anytime that you feel, well, I deserve this. You deserve hell. <laughs> so you don't want to talk about what you deserve. You deserve nothing. But because he was so selfless, he gave me everything. So that's why I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to choose to live every relationship that I have. I'm going to choose to live a selfless lifestyle. Why? So that God can be glorified. And on top of that, I'm putting on another notch on the belt so I can grow up because I want to operate in this God-given authority. Anybody else want to operate in that God-given authority? All right, let's just make a commitment to him today. Can we do that right where you are? Let's just just from our hearts. Heavenly Father, just say this after me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, I decide today to make a decision to live a selfless life. I'm putting selfishness away by your grace and through your help. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to teach me to have this same attitude that King Jesus has. I receive it. I take it. I declare this day that I am a selfless person. My attitude is as such that I give room for others. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. And you do it by faith. I take it. Okay, I don't know how to do it. No, I know how to be selfless. And just keep speaking that over yourself. Amen.